Hey everybody, thanks for joining us at the Central and Janesville podcast. Please remember to check us out on centraljanesville.com throughout the week. We're excited for wherever God's got you at right now, and we hope this message brings you a little closer. Thanks. So I think I've said it before that uh, home fix-up jobs are just not really my strong suit. Uh, I'm not good at handyman stuff. If you need me to paint something at your house, I'm really good with that, but don't ask me to fix something. Uh, but I gotta say this, my home repairs deserve a better effort than I'm usually willing to give to it. Uh, and here's an example for you. Uh, when we moved to our house here in Janesville, I was really happy with the kitchen. It was pretty, pretty newly renovated, uh, nice looking, it was all good. Uh, but the kitchen faucet left some things to be desired. It, it was nice, uh, but in the last year or so, there were two things kind of going on that were just getting worse. Uh, one was the faucet itself had very little water pressure, like just drip, drip, drip. And the, the spray button on this thing it was pretty much broken, just not working. And it was not convenient to say the least. And I did nothing about it uh, because A, I'm cheap, B, I can't do anything about it. I just can't. Uh, so the problem lingered and it got worse. And the other problem was the caulking around the top of the sink. It was pretty much non-existent. Uh, at one point I had tried to re-caulk it and it sort of worked, but I was noticing that it was getting really bad again. Uh, like to the point that it seemed like mold or something was eating through it all. Uh, but I kept telling myself, oh, it's, it's just dirty. Uh, I'll fix it later. Let's put it this way. Uh, things with the sink got bad enough that my generous and handy brother-in-law, Josh, decided to put a new faucet on when I was out of town. Uh, even he couldn't take the deficiency of my sink any longer. And so it was super awesome of him I, uh, to step in on my behalf. And, and I got home and I saw him and I was excited. And when I texted him to say thanks, he sent me a picture of what was going on underneath my sink. And it was not pretty. Uh, the inside of the cabinet under the sink, on the back side of the sink where you couldn't really see it, uh, that was completely molding through. I'm telling you, it was disgusting. It was absolutely awful. And because I hadn't taken care of the obvious issues when they first presented themselves, a major issue had developed. And thankfully, Josh is awesome and he, he figured out a way to fix it all and now we're not breathing mold in my house. Uh, but that type of thing reminds me that my home is worth my best effort. It's so easy for us to, to let things go at home and then all of a sudden you've got things breaking down and it costs even more to get it fixed than if you had taken care of it earlier. Uh, same thing happens with cars. Same thing happens with our bodies. You wait too long to go to the doctor or to start eating healthier and now this fixable issue it's getting really scary. Uh, things that matter deserve our best effort. If we want things to be healthy in our lives, if we have to be willing to, to give our best effort to seeing that health fostered well. And today, as we continue to, to look through this, this series on values, we're calling it the Unlimited Series, we're going to discuss this idea that kids are worth our best effort. And let's be honest, the whole world does not always really think as though kids are really worth our best effort. Uh, but I think today we're going to see that doing things right in, in our efforts with children, it goes hand in hand with living out the principles of the gospel. This isn't just about giving good effort to kids' ministry while we're at church. This, this is all of us choosing to give our best effort in the lives of children because as I think we're going to see today, embracing children is part of embracing Jesus. Uh, 
I think kids held a special place in the heart of Jesus. We see that in a few of these scenarios that happened during his ministry that's talked about in Scripture. And before we look at a few of these passages today, it's important to realize that kids in Jesus' day, they didn't have quite the status that they, that they have right now in present-day America. You think about how celebrities today, they're almost expected to, to take a moment for a kid who's been waiting for hours to get their autograph. Famous athletes are not only expected to be kid-friendly, they're actually, they're going to be vilified if they're not kid-friendly. And that simply wasn't the expectation in the culture that Jesus lived in. Now, kids were almost like an afterthought. And there are a number of reasons for why kids had such a low status in people's minds during Jesus' day. Uh, one of the interesting ideas I came across uh, for why they had such a low sad status was actually centered around the high infant mortality rate of kids back then. Uh, this high infant mortality rate might have kept these Mediterranean parents in Jesus' time from attaching themselves to younger children like we do today. You think about it, why would you let your heart become too attached to a child that you might, that you're terrified isn't, they're not going to be around here very long. And you can see how this would, would almost bring you to that place where, where you just wouldn't let yourself get close to a child. You'd almost get this mindset where kids are given this subhuman status. And so we talked a few weeks back actually about the, the way that we dehumanize other people. Uh, this high mortality rate of children, it actually did just that. It dehumanized children in the eyes of most adults. And here's what's crazy. This dehumanizing of children, it even seeped into the hearts and minds of Jesus' own disciples, his best friends. And we see that in the first passage we're going to look at this morning. This is Matthew 19, verses 13 through 15. Then, then people brought little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them and pray for them. But the disciples rebuked them. Jesus said, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. And when he had placed his hands on them, he went on from there. I don't know how many of you have ever read this passage and been troubled by it, um, but man, I'm sitting here like, man, the, the, the people brought little children to Jesus, but the disciples rebuked them. Man, it ticks me off every time I read this. The amount of times that the disciples just embarrass themselves throughout the New Testament, it's almost like you could be, this is, somebody could be writing a story about me. Uh, not the guys who walked with Jesus and carried on the church in his name. You and I are all over the pages of the New Testament. We're found in the foolishness of the disciples, once again needing to be shown what life is all about through the grace of Jesus. The disciples didn't think these kids were worth their best effort. They didn't even think that they were worth any effort for Jesus. And Jesus made sure that the lesson was learned. He not only said that the children were welcome in his presence, but he even went as far as to affirm their worth by placing his hands on them. Uh, he went, physically went out of his way to bless them. And I can only imagine the humiliation that Jesus' disciples felt in this moment. You know, they, they had to know that they had messed up big time. Uh, and I don't know about you, but I can think back throughout my life and pick out people that I had decided in my own head that they were below the status that deserved my effort. I remember there was this one kid from my church who went to camp with me when I was a kid. And one year, it was just me and this kid who, who went to camp for my church, and I did everything I could to get away from him the whole week. He sort of followed me around uh, to wherever we went, and I pretty much pretended like he wasn't there. I, I 
pretending like he didn't exist. And thinking of that kid is pretty humbling for me when I read this passage that Jesus is talking about with his disciples. I treated that kid like the disciples treated the children that were brought to Jesus. But let's face it, there's people that you and I subtly treat every day as being below the status that deserves our best effort. And that should be humiliating to us, probably every single one of us. Uh, When we look at Jesus, he gives immense status to everyone he meets. He wouldn't have died in our place if he didn't think that we were worth it. He, if he didn't find a value in us that we were worth dying for. And we should likewise place a premium status on the very people that others find no reason to, to find value in. Is there someone that deserves your best effort that you failed to deliver? Is there someone that you're actually hindering because you might be holding them back from getting to see who Jesus is? Uh, Now, sure, there are plenty of ways that we might hold someone back from getting to see who Jesus is. Uh, Every time I act in a way where my character is lacking, I'm hiding Jesus from the people around me. Every time I I hold back when I feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit telling me to share my faith with somebody in some way, and I hold it back, I'm hiding Jesus from somebody else. And every time I don't give my best effort for a child— or we as a church don't give our best effort for children. We have failed to be like Jesus and to show them who Jesus is. As a church, because we value children as much as we do, we feel it's important to make church accessible to as many children as we possibly can. Uh, That's why under normal circumstances, we're going to have nursery going. We're going to have pre-K classes, elementary classes. And our number one goal is to help kids walk away knowing the good news about Jesus just a little bit more that that day. It's why we run a kids midweek program uh, out of Wilson Elementary under normal non-pandemic situations. Um, And just a side note on this, man, I love love that we've had a couple families from that midweek program actually attend our church. Uh, we've, We've got another young sixth grader from that midweek program just started coming to CYJ. Um, And because we value kids, we also have Central Youth Janesville to help middle school and high school kids find the hope that Jesus offers them. Uh, One awesome thing that our Beloit campus is doing and that we've actually been talking a little bit about uh, by helping out with our love offerings is this new playground that's going to be accessible for kids with special needs. Uh, Churches can be a really difficult place for families who have kids with special needs. Uh, We always want to help families have the best experience at church that we can possibly give them. And and if it means finding a student or an adult who can be one-on-one with a child who needs a little extra time or care, we want to try to do that. And that's why we think that this new playground at Beloit is going to be great for the kingdom of God and and for showing more kids and more families uh, the love of Jesus. Uh, just a few weeks ago, I got a text from, from Jackie Ray, who works every single week in our kids' works uh, here at Janesville. She said that one of our high school students took time to help a young child uh, in kids' works who was there for the first time, was struggling a little bit his first time in kids' works. And our students sat with him, uh, ran around with him, took time for him uh, just to show him the love of Jesus a little bit that morning. And I'm telling you, that's the kind of story that I just love when we're finding ways to take care of kids the way that God would want us to. Um, It's obvious from this story between Jesus and his disciples and the children, it's obvious that children hold no less status in God's kingdom than anybody else. And it becomes even more obvious in the next story 
uh, that we're about to look at, that what the world sees as low status people, it's flipped upside down with God. The upside down kingdom of God changes what we see in the world and, and it almost flips it on its head. Uh, we live in this world where, where everyone wants to, to meet someone famous or to be someone famous. Jesus gave up his identity as God, the most famous that famous can possibly be, and he took on the identity of a servant. Born into this world amongst the animals, placed in a humble manger, and then Jesus scolded the religious leaders of his day who had the most status of anybody. And he sought out those who had no status at all. Or rather, he actually sought out those who actually had a negative status. Those were the people that, that he wanted to shake hands with. Those were the people for whom it wasn't difficult for him to get excited about making an effort for them. And so here's a story where Jesus really tried to help the people understand just how highly God views children. Uh, this is where Jesus wants to help us see that his hope is that we can learn to humble ourselves enough so that we can learn to value those so-called lesser ones. Uh, and so this story is found in Matthew 18, verses 1 through 6. At, the, at that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called a little child to him and placed the child among them. And he said, Truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. If anyone causes one of these little ones, those who believe in me, to stumble, it would be better for them to have a large millstone hung around their neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. Uh, part of the value to giving kids our best effort is the value of realizing that a child represents the best of us. Uh, in a child, there's humility. Uh, really, to a certain degree, they're helpless. In, they're in need of other people to care for them and to provide for them. They don't quite yet think that they're actually capable of going on their own. And that is the position that we should all have as we come before God. When we look at a child, we can think like so many other people do that they're lesser than that they're weak, that, uh, that they're not quite yet as important in the going-ons of the world. Or we, when we look at a child, we can actually be reminded that to God, that is what we are. We also, like children, are in need of help from someone of greater status. We also need the hand of one reaching out to us in guidance and grace if we're ever going to make it in life. Uh, here's what Craig Keener writes in regard to these two passages that we looked at in Matthew today. He says, Children were, were low-status dependents. They had to trust adults and receive what they provided. Low in status, they, could, they would not be permitted to deter a teacher like Jesus from important matters. At least this was the view of the disciples. Disciples and crowds alike failed to understand what Jesus' kingdom was really about, caring for the weakest rather than engaging in political triumphalism. In a heavily status-conscious Jewish culture, Children were near the bottom when it comes to importance. And this example of a child being the kind of person that Jesus says these adults should emulate, it's a very counterculture way of thinking for Jesus' community. It'd be like your boss saying, you know, you should be more like that intern that started here a few days ago. And you'd be like, excuse me? Like, what are you, what are you talking about? That's insulting. It'd be like a world-renowned musician being told, 
Man, you should be more like that new beginner over there. Look at how much they love playing hot cross buns. And he, you'd be like, man, they don't even know, they don't know what they're doing. I play real music that brings joy to millions. It's like a science to me. Uh, to which probably the person speaking could reply, yeah, that's actually kind of the problem. It was an embarrassment to Jesus' listeners to be told that they should be like these little kids. Uh, not much different than it would be if we heard Jesus say that to us. Uh, but can I be honest? I think that we as adults would do well to be more like young people, for real. Now sure, kids do a lot of dumb things. Don't do dumb things, okay? But man, man a lot of kids, a lot of the students I know, especially in youth ministry, man, they judge less. They have amazing work ethics. They still believe that their future is full of hope. I'll say this, they take things like COVID-related stuff way better than adults. They whine less about having to wear a mask. They take it in stride when their senior year of sports is completely blown out of the water. All kids know how to play and have fun and not forget that life is full of things that we can be excited about. Yeah, you could do a lot worse than following this countercultural idea of Jesus's about becoming more like a child. You could do a lot worse. Jesus is calling his followers to be a, to, really to a radical consideration about what humble living looks like, like nothing that culture had ever considered previously. But he's calling us, all of us, his followers, to see that no one isn't worth our best effort. In fact, the least of the people that you see may be, in fact, worth the most effort. The people of the humblest means are often the people that are in most need of help. And don't forget this, spiritually, we all are born of the humblest means. We are all entrenched in our sin. We are all children spiritually in need of a radical savior. Being like Jesus means having a commitment to children and to the broken and to the lonely. Uh, and that's, that's who Jesus was and that's who Jesus is. He's calling us to that same simple humility. In light of this commitment, I think there's a few things that I think it means for us as church and as parents. Um, I think as a church, we value and commit to teaching the gospel and to not just babysitting kids. And what does that mean? In KidsWorks, KidsWorks will never be about simply giving you a few minutes in a church service where you don't have this nuisance of kids running around you. KidsWorks is primarily going to be about giving your kids a place uh, that can can more adequately teach them at their own level than they might get in a service that's designed more for the adult in mind. Uh, we commit to doing everything that we can to helping you as parents raise kids who know and understand the good news about Jesus in a way that absolutely transforms their lives and the lives of, of the kids that are around them. And here's another thing that we value as a church. We value kids as co-laborers in the ministry of the gospel and not little ones who are just along for the ride. Uh, so now maybe this idea needs a little bit more explaining. So uh, if I did a competition to see who would get the most of their friends to church over the next year and I put kids up against parents, against adults, who do you think is going to win that battle? I'm picking the kids 11 out of 10 times to win that battle. The truth is that the greatest evangelists in this world are actually kids. Uh, the gospel goes further into the world because of young people. 
Kids and youth invite kids probably at a greater rate than anybody to come to church with them. And, and much of the growth in our campus has actually been due to either us having a healthy kids ministry or a healthy student ministry or both. But kids are co-laborers in ministry in more ways than just inviting their friends to church. In our campus, some of the heaviest lifting in terms of serving, it is done by students. Our setup team is made up of high school students, our kids works ministry. It would not happen if it weren't for students being in there every single week and being available as ministry helpers each and every week. Um, right now during COVID, much of our worship team, much of our sound team, much of our computer team, it's made up of students. Now, if I can be completely frank, I think that young people are almost always the most willing to serve beyond what's expected. Uh, my fear is that somewhere between college and, you know, this real adulthood, we're losing some of our willingness to be used by God whenever and wherever he wants to use us. I'm grateful that the young people in our church are actually truly co-laborers in ministry with us. And at times, they're really the driving force for our ministry. As a church, we will continue to value our people, our young people, and we're going to encourage them to get their hands dirty in the doing of ministry. So that's, that's some of the things we value as a church. And I think Jesus, as he tells us not to hinder children, there's something else I think we need to value as parents. As parents, we must value and commit to teaching and living out the gospel and to not just being our kids' best friends. This means that we value discipline that's done in love and aimed at the healthy growth of our child. This means that we take time to be their guidance in spiritual matters through conversation, rather than just letting the world speak its values into our children's hearts without rebuttal. Uh, raising children who are driven by the good news of Jesus, it should be our highest value as parents. Uh, I personally, I'd rather have my daughters be annoyed with me and frustrated that I continue to point them to the truth of Jesus, rather than letting them pour their hearts into whatever their friends cherish. In the end, it's always going to be worth it to value your kids and their spiritual hearts so much that you're not willing to compromise their faith. Uh, Proverbs actually speaks to this idea about working really hard to point your kids to Jesus. Uh, this effort is worth it, and it will never come back void. Proverbs 19.18 says, Discipline your children, for in that there is hope. Do not be a willing party to their death. Uh, Proverbs 22.6 says children start children off on the way they should go and even when they are old they will not turn from it value your life's child so much that you're willing to go to any length possible to point them to jesus there is nothing more important than this one thing all too often we think of our kids as weak but you know what even as even if that's what they are that's okay it means all the more that we should be embracing them. Embracing the weak is a direct embrace of Jesus, who himself made himself weak for us. There's really no reward in only embracing the strong or only embracing those who can help us in return or love us in return. Matthew 5, 46 actually says, if you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Uh, loving children well can be difficult. At times, it's not going to feel super rewarding, uh, maybe especially as a parent. You're going you're gonna to get eye rolls and screaming and maybe even some kicking at times, but loving a child is modeling Jesus in the most pure of ways. 
Jesus modeled, is modeled best among the most powerless, not among the powerful. Jesus displayed his love by loving the difficult to love and the powerless. Serving kids with our best effort is a natural outflow of those serving a humble Jesus. Are you loving children as God is calling you to love? Are you loving the weakest around you as Jesus chooses to love you? Who in your life could, you, could use your best effort today? Giving that person your best effort is the best way to show gratitude for how Jesus has gone all in for you and for your life. Why don't you pray with me? Lord, I thank you for going all in for me. I thank you for giving me your best effort. I thank you that uh, the idea of the cross was not too big in your mind. Uh, that when you looked at who I am and who, who each and every one of us is listening to this, who we are, you saw the cross as being worth your effort. You see us as, as worth your effort. And, and God, I pray that uh, you would help us bring conviction in our hearts uh, for the people in our lives that, that we have not seen as being worth our effort. Maybe it is our, our, our own children. Maybe it's kids in our church. Maybe it is our neighbor across the street. Uh, maybe it's our coworker. Maybe it's our, our, our siblings. Lord, there's so many different people that th this message could be speaking to us about. God, there are people in my life who I have not given my best effort for. God, show me what that best effort looks like. Show me how I can sacrifice for others a little bit the way that you've sacrificed for me. God, I pray that you'd help us all to show people the love of Jesus uh, in a way that maybe we haven't been willing to do right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for joining us on the Central and Janesville podcast. Remember to check us out at centraljanesville.com. Have a great week.